What would be the optimal animal to pull a sleigh? A cheetah. A cheetah sleigh. <laughs> I answered it. You don't have to put the eyes on me. Hello and welcome to Scientifica Radio. I'm Rakib. And I'm Selena. And uh, what you just heard before the intro music, well, that was the sound of the holidays. Holiday banter, parties, people getting together over some, you know... Heavy drinking. (laughs) I was going to say food, but sure. Uh, Also followed with drinking. Uh, But the sounds of the holidays, way too many significant others. Um, Fights. Over cheetahs, <laughs> elections, <laughs> uh, and so for many of you, this is uh, something that you're very familiar with. So, Selena, on today's episode, uh, what what do we have? What is it all about? So today, we're talking about holiday-related thoughts or questions that science can help explain. And we took the opportunity to ask our friends at many holiday parties that we got invited to. One. Uh, for me <laughs> that we recorded at <laughs> there were many that there was no recorder at yeah <laughs> so we asked our friends what kind of questions that they had wanted us to explore so today on the show we're going to explore these questions with you and uh we got some pretty great questions uh, at these holiday parties that we may or may not have been invited to um and there was quite a range you know some some people were really concerned about climate change this holiday season Mm -hmm. others wanted to know about future uh, parenting methods future parenting methods yeah yeah for a group of very young people (laughs) they were very concerned about parenting yes um and uh consumerism so Mm -hmm. we're going to tackle these questions one by one and uh hope that we can get uh, some clear answers and if not explore the gray areas of science which is what it is which is what it is so uh let's Great. get to it perfect is one horsepower the same is is one horsepower the same as one reindeer power <laughs> that is a great question how many reindeers per horse but that's assuming how many horse per reindeer if reindeers are faster. Exactly. Well, I mean, it could be 0.7 reindeer. How so. fast would the reindeer have to pull the sleigh so that it uh, flies? Flies. Does it matter well, what direction the wind is going on that night? How? What would be the optimal animal to pull a sleigh? A cheetah. A cheetah sleigh. <laughs> I answered it. You don't have to put the eyes on the Okay, so that so that question had a lot of it was a question inception that happened. So I think we need to unpack it. Um, and I think the first question that was asked is: Is one reindeer power equivalent to one horsepower? And the answer is no. Okay, so the answer is no. But maybe we can like even take uh, we can take more of a step back and talk about what is horsepower. And given that there is an engineer in the room and that isn't me, <laughs> can you can you maybe talk us through that, Selena? Yeah, sure. Engineer to the rescue. Okay. <laughs> yes. So so horsepower is actually a unit of power. So similar to watt that you see on your light bulb, say. And it was coined by a Scottish engineer called James Watt in the late 18th century. And in the imperial system, one horsepower is a power of pulling 33,000 pounds for a foot 
over a minute, or 764 watt in the SI system. Um, so for example, a Tesla, the luxury car that, you know, typically seen only in Google Images. Or some areas of Vancouver. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so the Model S has a horsepower of 362 horsepowers, um, whereas a tiny smart car has around 50 horsepower. Okay. So where does the horse and the horsepower come from? Yeah. So the story goes that James Watt was working with ponies lifting coal at a coal mine. And so he wanted a way to talk about the power available from one of these animals. And he found that on average, a mine pony could do 22,000 foot pounds of work in a minute. And then he just assumed that an adult horse can do 50% more work. So what I thought was so crazy was that he literally just looked at these ponies and decided that this is what a horsepower was. So... That's how science is done. Yeah. Observation. <laughs> Observational science. Exactly. And uh, I just wanted to note, the, say like the 22 foot pound, it can be lifting 22,000 pounds for a foot or 11,000 pounds over two foot. So any combination of okay. the two. And so yeah. at the time, I don't think the ponies were actually pulling 22,000 pounds for a foot. But anyhow, minor detail. Okay. Huh, that's, I never knew that. It was really interesting. Mm. Um, so, okay, then going back to that question uh, that was initially asked, what is, I guess, the horsepower of reindeer? That's kind of, yeah, it sounds <laughs> really weird to ask, but yeah. So I think shockingly, um, it was not, I wasn't able to find any good research on, on the power of reindeer. It's shocking. <laughs> um, but... Um, you know, I think the term horsepower exists and, you know, there's the name horse in the name is because that we've domesticated horses and we've really used them to, mm -hmm. to pull things and to do work for us. Um, and so they've been known to pull heavy things. Um, whereas reindeers are more wild animals or they've been farmed for their meat, for example, or to, to go on reindeer sleds, but not so much for pulling things. Uh, and so researchers don't study how much they can pull and how much work they can do. Mm -hmm. But if we just look at the pure size of a typical reindeer, uh, a male reindeer ranges from 160 to 180 kilogram, whereas a female ranges from 80 to 120. And if you look at a draft horse, um, which is typically used to pull coal out of a coal mine, they weigh anywhere between 640 to 900 kilograms. So reindeer on the higher end weigh only about, you know, a quarter mm -hmm. of a small horse. So I can only imagine that the power they can do is much less. Yeah. And they're not even trained to pull they're things. They're not even, yeah. Okay. Definitely no. Definitely a reindeer power is less than a horsepower. So the, uh, the second question that was asked uh, was, how fast do reindeers need to go to pull Santa's sleigh off the ground. And obviously this was said in humor, uh, but we said we would address it. And, you know, it, the answer is under no circumstances would this be possible because of... Gravity. <laughs> check and check. Yep. So um, the other question was, uh, what, was the, what would be the optimal animal uh, to, to pull, pull a sleigh. Well, I mean, obviously not for the purposes that Santa would use it for, but what would be mm -hmm. the optimal animal to pull a sleigh? Um, a cheetah was offered as, a, as an example, but mm -hmm. 
Again, going back to the whole evolutionary purpose of animals, I don't ever, this wouldn't be an optimal animal. They're just not enough cheetahs. Yeah, they just go way too fast. Get, you would get sick. I think I can just imagine them racing and then stopping all of a sudden and the sled would have so much momentum and it would just like, you know, go past the cheetah and kill all the cheetahs. Oh my God. And then we'll have no more cheetahs. <laughs> and our children would never be able to make this joke about cheetahs <laughs> pulling sleighs. <laughs> Friends can't make a radio show together. Okay. Well, that <laughs> answered that first question. So we're now moving on to the second question uh, that we were asked. And we're more composed. We're ready now. We can do it. We can do it. <laughs> so from reindeers to uh, the man who employs reindeers, jolly old man himself. Uh, this is a caution, a warning to parents. If you have uh, children in the room, or if you're not a parent, but if there are children in the room uh, who lo- love and believe with all of their hearts in this good jolly man, then you might want to get them out of the room. Um, or have them uh, plug their ears because this next question will call into question the existence of said man. Perfect. Yeah. So uh, let's hear the question. To what age <coughs> do kids, do children believe in Santa? Santa. Mm-hmm. So at what age do children stop believing in Santa? That's mm-hmm. a good question. Rakeep, did you believe in Santa? I did uh, for a brief period in my life. Uh, I, I think I, I think I stopped believing quite early on, but I was told specifically to not tell anybody. I remember that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. What happened? I mean, I can't recall the exact moment when I stopped believing, um, but I do remember by the age of uh, at least six, um, I knew exactly where the Christmas presents were hidden. Mm. Like, I knew where to go yeah. so I could peek. Yeah. Like, there was no doubt in my mind that Christmas was run by my mom and my dad. <laughs> like, that was a factor. That was, like, an in-house factory, and I knew about it. There was no Santa. <laughs> it's nope. too practical. <laughs> too practical. What about you, Selena? I, we didn't celebrate Christmas, so that was never... We had school, I think, on Christmas. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. So, so but I grew did up you, in China. you grew up in China. Did, so, but was Santa something that you were aware of and understood or? I don't have a clear memory of it. But yes, I do remember that we acknowledged that it was Christmas Day. But, you know, and then we would have pictures of Santa. But never did we ever acknowledge that it was something that, you know, traditions that we followed. It was very much like, Why people do this? (laughs) (laughs) So, but there is, there is data Mm -hmm. um, that we can look at Mm -hmm. uh, to see around what age uh, people stop believing in Santa. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a survey a couple years ago that was done by the Associated Press, uh, which was a retrospective poll. So that means that um, these polls were asking adults to, um, talk about their childhood, so uh, looking back, um, asking them at what age did they stop believing. 
Um, so in the poll, 84% of people said that they believed in Santa as a kid. And this depended, this varied uh, in terms of their religious affiliation. So um, those who said that they grew up in a Catholic or Christian household tended to believe in Santa more than uh, children who were believed in uh, other uh, religions um, or non-affiliated religions. So that was interesting uh, to see. But not then, surprising. Not surprising, no. Mm-hmm. Um, but also when we looked at the age of when children stopped believing, so of those who answered they did believe, there wasn't much variation uh, in terms of the religious factor. So uh, most children... Uh, most people recounted stop. Uh, they recounted that they stopped believing in Santa at around the uh, the age of what was it five to eight. Mm-hmm. So after the age of five, um, up to twelve. I up guess. to twelve, a small range. A between small nine range. And twelve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, this didn't vary with their religious affiliation, mm-hmm. um, and this is kind of similar results that were found uh, to research done by Jacqueline uh, Woolley, who's a researcher uh, at the University of Texas. Um, And she found that uh, kids who believed in Santa and other magical, uh, mythical characters like the Tooth Fairy, um, this often peaked around the age of five. Um, and started dropping after. Mm -hmm. Um, So after the age of five, more and more kids stopped believing in Santa and realized that, you know, that's not necessarily real. Yeah. So I think that that was the answer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So on average, so yeah, based on that survey done by the Associated Press, I think the average was Mm 8.8. With the range of five to eight being the highest. Exactly. Of those who said that they stopped believing in Santa. Uh, there was also a second part to the question, I believe, uh, that was asked uh, by another group of people. Okay, so let's play that. So our question is, is it psychologically beneficial or harmful overall to teach children about Santa and the Easter Bunny and other myths, like, overall? Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, so... That was quite the loaded question. Um, so yes. whether or not Santa or lying about Santa to your kids causes psychological harm in their development. Um, oh, okay. So Selena, when I look this up on Google, because of course we ask Google for everything, the most reliable yes. source, <laughs> I just wanted to see what I would get. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the top hits was a Huffington Post article, and the headline states, lying to kids about Santa can cause more harm than good, comma, study says. What a loaded, oh man, what a clickbait it title. Is. And it's one of my biggest pet peeves now with science communication where, first of all, it's like fear mongering, basically. This is mm-hmm. like, you're so scared as a parent, you're going to click on it. Also, completely false, okay? Right. So study says what they're actually talking about is not a study with any data. It's an article that was published in The Lancet, so Lancet Psychiatry, which is an academic journal where scientists go to publish their data. 
um, and it's very well regarded uh, as a journal, high impact factor. But you can also publish um, opinion articles, editorials, reviews. Scientists, experts in their field can do this. Um, And so this particular paper that they're talking about that uh, made a lot of headlines in November this year uh, was uh, called A Wonderful Lie, uh, published by two psychologists, Christopher Boyle from the University of Exeter in the UK and uh, mental health researcher Kathy McKay from the University of New England in Australia. Uh, And in their article, they state that there is the potential for children to be harmed in lying to them about Santa. Uh, And I'm going to quote what one of the researchers, McKay, says. uh, And she says, The Santa myth is such an involved lie, such a long-lasting one between parents and children, that if a relationship is vulnerable... This may be the final straw if parents can lie so convincingly over such a long time. What else can they lie about? And so here, I think one thing that we do need to take away from this is there is no data. Okay, so there is no study that has been provided. This is to say that there is no empirical data. But one thing that they do bring up is it really depends on the vulnerability of the parent-child relationship. So if there is a relationship in which the child has time and time again been let down and lied to by their parent and Santa is just one in, you know, numerous amounts of lies that they've been told and they feel that, you know, their their parents are no longer trustworthy, then this may this may cause some harm. So that isn't to say that if you lie to your child, then, you know, there's there going to there's gonna be psychological damage. Um, right. So there's no clickbaity type results mm-hmm. um, that it's you can get. It's not a blanket statement saying that if you lie to your child about Santa, they will be harmed psychologically. Mm-hmm. Like that is not proven. That is not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. And, for example, Rakib, you believed in Santa. Do you have psychological harm from believing in Santa? I I mean, I don't think I do. I mean, from other things, maybe. <laughs> maybe a lot of self-inflicting things. <laughs> but, exactly. you know, we obviously can't rely on anecdotes. But another thing to think about is uh, one of the, op- the first authors, Boyle, brings up that it's potentially not the best parenting method if you're using Santa as a deciding factor of whether or not your child uh, gets present. So it's it's quite a manipulative, sinister thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. And again, it is about knowing your child's environment. So th- your your carers, your parents will know this best. But if you're uh, using the myth of Santa for malice, then yeah, of course, that's that might have some harm. Mm-hmm. Um, also, if you're telling your child when they're 13 that Santa isn't, uh, isn't a real uh, person, a real thing, and you know, you go to school and get embarrassed, and people make fun of you. That's a traumatic experience. Mm-hmm. But again, something that we need to think about, mm-hmm. um, or that needs to be thought about uh, from the parents' standpoint. Uh, like some psychologists say, maybe it's better to focus on the actual morals of Santa, the goodness of Santa, the giving to others, the kindness rather than uh, this mythical man himself. But 
overall, does telling or lying about Santa uh, to your children cause psychological harm? There is no evidence to support that claim. Huffington Post. So the next popular question was... My question is, um, I'm curious about the probability of snow on the 25th of December and if that probability has changed over time. So, interesting. What is the probability of it snowing on Christmas? And just to add that a lot of people asked us if this probability um, has been altered due to climate change. So Mm -hmm. we're also going to add that in. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So we decided to ask an expert. My name is Iada Tala, and I am a research associate in the Department of Atmospheric and Oceanic Sciences at McGill University. That was the expert, Dr. Atala. He was great. He was fantastic. We had a 45-minute conversation with him that was, honestly, maybe we're just going to release that interview in and of itself because it was awesome. Um, Here's a little bit more of what he had to say about the question. Mm Mm-hmm. There's a couple of things, right? So most of the times when people talk about a white Christmas, they're talking about actually whether or not there is snow on the ground, mm-hmm. right? And this is a little easier question to answer because there's a larger sample size, right? Like when you're talking about trying to get precipitation or snow on a single day, then you're talking about only having basically 40 data points or 50 data points like so however many Christmases there are Mm -hmm. and so trying to trying to assess a change in probability over you know a pretty small sample size like 40 or 50 points is harder to answer now um, obviously it's a little bit easier just to say, like, well, if there is snow on the ground, and those probabilities have changed, right? The probability that there is going to be snow on the ground, we know definitely has changed. According to Environment Canada, the probability essentially from the 50s to the 80s was about 85%. The probability from the 80s until now is about 70%. Okay. And that's for Montreal? Yeah, so that's Mm -hmm. for Montreal. Specifically, this would be at uh, Pierre Trudeau. Okay. Do the mean, sorry, if you do the mean for the whole period, it's around 78%. And so given that there is uh, a difference between those two time points that you mentioned, um, is that where we could... Uh, bring in this, well, climate change and, and a reasoning for that being different? or Yeah, so I mean, I think that's the most likely explanation. Now, it might be that there is some other change in the weather pattern that is causing that, but it is it does correspond to an increase in the temperatures at Montreal. And so the vast majority of that is probably due to uh, climatologically warmer temperatures due to climate change. Mm, okay. Then no, the, the, like, then the mm-hmm. likelihood of it snowing, so there being like a, a quote-unquote white Christmas where there is snow on the ground um, mm-hmm. for Montreal is still pretty high. Yeah, so the likelihood of snow on the ground is 
pretty high. Now, there's another thing called the perfect Christmas. Okay. Perfect. Right. Now, the perfect Christmas is defined as having at least two centimeters of snow on the ground and then having at least two centimeters of snowfall. Mm-hmm. And the probability of that is around 20 percent. Mm-hmm. And so you mentioned that that probability that's on Stats Can- or Environment Canada, um, that's all based just on the stat from like Christmas Day in the last 50 years. Right. So that's not based on, say, like cumulative data of, say, the month before Christmas, for example, like that's just based on the last 40 or 50 Christmas days. And is that correct? Yes. And, it's, and we're essentially yeah, just looking the, at the percentage of snow on that day. Yeah, so the, 20, so the 78% is the odds on that day of having two centimeters of snow on the ground, and the 20% are the odds of having two centimeters of snow on the ground on Christmas Day and getting two centimeters of snow to actually fall. But it, so uh, Environment Canada doesn't take into account the trends of that current year, I guess. So, for instance, uh, I mean, I'm just right, anecdotally exactly. right. talking right now, but last last winter was, from what I remember, way warmer. There wasn't snow this early on as, as much as we've had uh, this year. So would we need to take that into account? Yeah, absolutely, right? So you would definitely need to take into account the, um, the, the current weather, right? Then, and we're actually close enough now. So once you start to get into the 7 to 10 day range, mm-hmm. basically the current forecast starts to dominate the probabilities. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so at this point, I would say that the odds of a white Christmas at Montreal are really high there. So the mean is 78% uh, or 70% for the, near, for the near term. But I would say for this year, the odds are probably pretty close to 100%. Okay. Ooh. Mm. That's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Neither of us will be in Montreal, but we're still excited about that news. Yes, I won't be there either. <laughs> <laughs> so... In conclusion, probability of of a is high. The likelihood that it has this probability has changed over time due to climate change is it has decreased. It has decreased, mm-hmm. and the likelihood that the cause is climate change. Mm-hmm. All signs point to yes. All signs point to yes. And, and that it is a consensus in the scientific mm-hmm. community. Um, okay. These are all things that we, we talked uh, about in our interview. Mm-hmm. Um, also, there were other interesting things that we talked about. Why don't we hear a little bit about that? Yeah, we get <laughs> lots of questions about hockey rinks, outdoor Ooh. hockey rinks. <laughs> whether the climate would you know start melting all of the, the hockey rinks and whether we're losing yeah. part of Canadian cultural and, identity <laughs> yes and interestingly there has been a an actual referee publication on the impact of climate change on outdoor hockey rinks in canada i think Whoa. i saw this reported on cbc once <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and so that's an actual report you know an actual it was an actual research project that someone did oh wow and did it show that climate change is impacting outdoor it climate it sure did oh wow and there's yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 
Interesting. Hey, that's yeah, concerning for a huge percentage of the population. <laughs> I mean, it's hearts melting right there. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Yeah. Have a good holiday. No yeah. Fun. Happy holiday. Yeah, you too. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Happy holidays. So one of the m- most popular theme of questions we got was based on this idea of consumerism and production of waste during the holidays and just in general, the impact us human have on the planet during the holiday. More of an environmental question, but how much paper and plastic waste is generated during the holidays? So uh, given the abundance of uh, these questions that we received, uh, Selena and I thought it would be best to share some facts. Some interesting facts. Some interesting statistical facts about the holidays that we have found, but in the spirit of the holidays, have some cheerful music in the background. Exactly. All right. So what was the first one that we found, Selena? Okay. So according to Statistics Canada, 900,000 pounds of garbage are produced between Thanksgiving and Christmas each year. Fact two. 7.1 million poinsettias are produced in greenhouses in Canada. Uh, These primarily are used to decorate during the holiday season. So Mm. it's really interesting. I never see them any other time of the year. Exactly. All right. Third fact. Canadians drink about 5.3 million liters of eggnog, commercially sold eggnog, in December 2014. I do not want that. Not a fan. (laughs) Next fact. 78.4 million. That is the value of Christmas tree sales in Canada. That was uh, from Statistics Canada in 2015. And interesting fact, that rose up uh, by 21.6% from the previous year in 2014. Mm -hmm. If every family reused just two feet of holiday ribbon, the 38,000 miles of ribbon saved would tie a bow around the entire planet. Oh, that's a, that's a nice little image. Yeah, but we don't sing. Hmm. All right, so I'm going to start off the next fact with a question to you, Selena. Do you think that the results of this year's U.S. presidential election had an impact on whether or not people would spend during the holidays? It must. It must have done something. It must have done something. I don't know what, but... It was way too close to Black Friday. Ah. Must have changed something. Interesting. Well, according to a 2016 holiday survey by Deloitte, uh, 73% of people who were polled said no. The results of the election would not impact their holiday spending. But for the 27% that said yes, it would impact their holiday spending, um, they asked... If Democrats win, 44% responded that they would be less likely to spend during the holidays. And the reverse question was asked, if Republicans win, uh, 43% of people said that they would also be less likely to spend. Um, So we're we're seeing similar patterns, granted from the very specific people polled, um, that they would spend less if their party had lost. Mm Mm-hmm. But again, very few people said that it would impact their spending. Right. Only about a quarter. Mm -hmm. 
All right. So the last fact that we'll talk about is about LEDs. So typically known, LEDs are energy efficient and cool to the touch. And Canadians are actually rapidly embracing this technology for the holiday lighting. So, with 29% of households reporting they used LED holiday lights in 2007, growing to 40% in 2013, and New Brunswick is the fastest adopter at 47% of the Ooh, households. New Brunswick using LEDs. Exactly. Good um, for you. Mm-hmm. Followed by Prince Edward Island and Newfoundland and Labrador at 46%. Uh, and the most reluctant converters are Saskatchewan, Alberta, and Manitoba. And interestingly, the three provinces that perhaps uses the dirtiest mix of uh, energy sources for their electricity. Hmm. Well. Yeah, that's not so good. <laughs> But that does lead us into how we might be able to get. A green Christmas that we actually want. That we actually want. That we actually want. Yes, totally. Selena, do you have any other tips、uh, other than using LED lights? Of course,、mm-hmm. um, tips that we can、uh, have for the holidays so we can、uh, make less of an impact. On our environment,、mm-hmm. to be less of a strain on our planet, less of a strain, and you know, more environmentally friendly.、Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I think in general, it's more about that mindset of that. You know, this is not the time of year we get a rite of passage to whatever we want, to eat whatever we want, drink whatever we want, however much we want. This is not the time. It's just another day in the year. It's usually very cold, and we have our families.、Um, so some things to keep in mind when you're buying a gift or a present. Um, you know, try to buy things that are recyclable,、uh, that is useful, perhaps that are not things.、Um, so in general, waste less. Also at the dinner par- table,、um, trying to buy locally, trying to waste less food, recycle things. Yeah, and kind of the general,、um, be conscious of, of what you're consuming and,、mm-hmm. and what you're producing, I guess.、Exactly. Um, and that is no different for any other time of the year.、Mm-hmm. Um, so just being socially conscious beings.、Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. And with that, I think we're gonna wrap up the. Like a gift, like a gift, <laughs> and like you should be doing during the holiday season because it'll be cold.、Um, we're gonna wrap up the last episode of 2016 for Scientifica. Yes,、um, it's been a great year. It's been a great year.、Uh, we are super excited to、uh, say that we're going to be. Recruiting for 2017. We're looking for new contributors. We're looking for new contributors. We're、so、looking for you. <laughs>、um, Sam wants you.、Um, no, there is no one named Sam on it. <laughs>、um, but、uh, if you are interested in science communication and being part of a great team, you should definitely contact us.、Uh, you can find us on our Facebook page, Scientifica Radio,、um, or you can send us an email at community at ckut dot ca. And that's it. That's a wrap. <laughs> that's a wrap. <laughs> I'm gonna get her out of the studio now. But happy holidays to everyone, and、uh, happy 2017. See you. See you in the new year.、Mm-hmm.